You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Hello, my friends. It is so great to be here with you once again. I hope you're having a beautiful week, beautiful time, a beautiful life in sobriety and recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. As always, super pumped to do this show this week, and I'll tell you why. Because last week, I had the opportunity to go to -to back-to-back Grateful Dead shows, and I know they're called the Dead and Company for anybody who wants to be, you know, nitpicky. But to me, it's just the Grateful Dead always will be the Grateful Dead. I absolutely am enamored. I am enamored with that band. I'm thoroughly impressed with how John Mayer has been able to take on the uh, Jerry Garcia slash Phil Lesh role in that band and just really put a lot of sensuality into the music that for so many people has truly been inspirational for decades and decades of their lives. And to go to these shows and experience them sober is gratifying because when I first started to use back in 1994, the Grateful Dead were the very first concert that I ever took LSD at. And so that was the beginning of my LSD journey that lasted for about seven years and probably took up about a thousand hits. And so (laughs) I don't say that lightly. I got to the point where at Ball State, I was taking five hits just to have a good time. And in Orlando, I would be taking five and 10 of those things over the course of a night, uh, gel tabs, whatever, who knows what, what strength they were. So I was mixing them with ecstasy and ketamine and Coke and, you know, just basically trying to blow my heart up. I'm still to this day amazed that I didn't uh, put a bad combination to my system. I digress. This isn't here to brag about all the drugs that I've done, and, and it is just what it is, right? More importantly, it was just the experience of walking up into the Shakedown Street area of the Hollywood Bowl, which is really just the east side of Highland as you near the Hollywood Bowl. If you've ever been there, you want to Google it and look at pictures. And just, I remember thinking, first and foremost, how exhausting it would be if I was still using and enjoying drugs to have to go there and try to find them. Um, I haven't done LSD or Coke or ketamine or ecstasy in in years and years and years. Uh, For the most part, mind you, a couple little indiscretions, uh, four or five years ago, uh, I pretty much gave up all the drugs in as soon as I got out of my 20s. I moved to Dallas where I was living with my dad and stepmom, and then I moved overseas, and it just, the drugs just went away. The alcohol, unfortunately, (laughs) it stayed. Um, And I say all that because I'm looking at this entire crowd the other night and, you know, I mean, you you can clearly see the people who are looking to buy and definitely see the people who are looking to sell. It's, I see all the markers. I'm, you know, just because I stopped using doesn't mean I don't still notice this entire world that's going on around me. It's fascinating. If you've ever gone to one of these hippie shows, um, and if you haven't, you've surely seen this at whatever concerts that you like to attend because, it's, you know, it, there's this stressor that those people looking to score are going through. And at the same time, there's also a stressor that of all the people who came to sell. 
and to be able to meet and hope that the other one's not an undercover cop and, uh, you know, get the right amount of money and not get jacked as soon as you turn your back and all of this. And I get to bypass all of that. And I get to bypass all of the IPAs and I get to bypass the munchies before and after the show. I was able to actually, I think I actually fasted one of the days because um, it was just part of my intermittent fasting schedule. It was a phenomenal show. Um, the dead are, I will say this, let's not try to sugarcoat it. it. Phenomenal shows, amazing play, just fantastic set lists, absolutely loved the music. Without being intoxicated, there isn't the can't sit down, have to dance the entire time feeling. Um, it was very cold both nights, and on night two, I don't even know if I got up to dance once. Um, even U.S. Blues was a little too mellow for me to be up and, and, and boogieing down. So if somebody's like, oh, there's no way that you're you know dancing and having a good time like you would if you were high, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. Because I certainly saw those people who were intoxicated, you know, just jamming out at a, at a pace that the band wasn't even keeping. Um, and as I still love going to fish shows too. And I love going to raves. I love going to all my favorite kinds of music. I just don't go there intoxicated anymore. And yes, the nonstop dance-a-thon has subsided. At the same time, I'm just experiencing it a different way now. And that's the beauty of being able to go to these shows is that, you know, they're really meant to be experienced in just, you know, a plethora, infinite amount of ways. Um, you know, uh, I've been to some other concerts. Uh, more recently, I went to a New Kids concert um, because one of my friends had a ticket and really wanted me to go. And I thought, why not? I've never seen, I've really never seen a pop concert ever. My voice just cracked like I was a teenager again. Um, you know, I've never gone and saw Michael Jackson or Britney Spears or Madonna or Katy Perry. I don't go to pop shows. I just genuinely just, you know, it's like there's not really a band on stage. It's just not my kind of music, but I, I do enjoy that music and I will listen to it. I just may not necessarily go to a concert. Uh, my entire viewpoint on that has changed now because New Kids put on one hell of a show. It was just like constant. It was them, Salt and Pepper, um, OP, uh, Naughty by Nature, um, who else? Tiffany and uh, Debbie Gibson. And it was just hilarious just the amount of fun that it was also hilarious was watching a bunch of middle-aged women get absolutely smashed out of their minds and vomit and fall all over themselves. So the, the reason I say all that now even brought this concert up was you think that it's just the grateful dead you you think that maybe it's just like blink 182 or the, or, or, you know, Metallica or a guns and roses show, whatever, whatever music you're into. If you think when you go there, you're like, Oh, goodness gracious, look at all these people getting intoxicated. I bet you this doesn't happen at pop shows. It does. And so what that just shows me is it doesn't really matter what the music is. If people want to go there and get completely twisted off their minds, they will. It doesn't matter what kind of music it is. So you choose the direction you want to go in. You choose how you want to experience that show. No one else has to tell you that you're not going to enjoy it just as much as they did because they're not tripping out on acid or drinking 10 shots of tequila before they got there. Wow, if you don't drink a bunch of booze, how are you having as much fun as me? I remembered the whole show. You know, in 2013, I saw for the very first time Coachella streaming live on YouTube. And I couldn't go to Coachella, and so I watched it streaming, and I thought, well, this is amazing. I want to go to as many concerts as I possibly can this summer. 
Um, it was the summer after 2012 summer where I drove my motorcycle from coast to coast and border to border for the most part, border to border, definitely coast to coast and did 20, you know, 12,500 miles, took four months, saw some amazing friends, had some amazing memories of the most best one of them all would have been riding with my motorcycle with my dad for about two weeks. And through that, I realized the summer after that, I was like, what am I going to do to make this summer amazing and monumental? And so I chose going to as many concerts as possible. And I clicked off about 75. I saw well over 125 different bands. There was four different weeks in that summer. And I'm counting from basically May all the way into September where I had five shows in five days, where I was literally just click, 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 click. I think one of my favorite runs was Weezer on Friday, uh, Black Crows on Saturday, and Roger Waters doing The Wall on Sunday. That was one of my favorite clicks. Uh, I saw Nine Inch Nails as well. I mean, literally, I'm not going to run through them all. The first half of the summer, I went strictly sober to the concerts. Um, just cause I, I wanted to remember them. I wanted to enjoy them. Something happened about halfway through the summer and I started getting intoxicated going. And I remember being sober at Weezer, too intoxicated at the Black Crows and sober at Pink Floyd. And, um, ultimately what came of it is as I started getting more and more intoxicated as the summer went on, I was blacking out at the concerts and not even remembering them. The final one of that year was the K-Rock um, Almost Acoustic Christmas. It had Lord, Portugal the Man, uh, Arcade Fire, uh, just the most amazing set list ever. I think Fitz and the Tantrums were there. Fantastic set list. I blacked out during Lord. I vaguely remember the rest of the bands, and I definitely know I got in my car and drove the wrong way down a runway street for a good mile till I realized it. So getting intoxicated that last half of the summer ruined a majority of those shows. So anytime someone tries to sit here and tell me that you can't go to a concert and enjoy it sober, I say, you, you do you and I'm going to do me. All right, but I am here to give you actionable steps to going to concerts. And then at the end, I'm going to do a little bit of a bonus on how to fill up the, the time in your normal day. Because I recently found out one of my homies got sober, moved back out of L.A., back home to Illinois. And as we were texting at the beginning of night one of the dead last week, he made a comment that it's easy to go to concerts sober. It's not so easy just during normal days. And it got me to thinking about why my normal days tend to be great and I'm not even thinking about booze and versus where he's at, again, day 54 versus coming up on 29 months. A lot of growth is coming his way, and I'm super excited to be a part of hearing his stories and of his growth and his sobriety and recovery. So we're going to do a bonus at the end of this episode about that so that if my homie's listening, and he will, because I'll forward him this episode. (laughs) Okay, guys, so your three keys to being able to go to shows and being sober as thought up by me, and again, this is just the th- this, these are just the things that I do for myself. Um, first and foremost, key number one, play it out through to the credits. Play it out through to the credits. You can probably get rid of the word through there and just say play it out to the credits. Play the movie to the end of the credits. I will keep repeating this because when I first heard it, it blew my mind because it literally is how... Or is it figuratively? 
not important. It is how I keep myself in check whenever I start to feel the craving coming on. Play it out through to the credits. What does that mean? You see other people and they can have a beer, they can have a joint, they can take a hit of acid and go to a dead show. Whatever it is you're seeing other people do and you think, why can't I be them? Number one, we've rung the bell. We're already addicts. We can't turn back. We can't go from the addict butterfly back into a, a caterpillar and then go through the chrysalis again and not be an addict. Sorry, it's done. The decision has been made. You are already going down this path. So because we can't reverse time and change the, our behaviors when we were younger, we are now who we are. So when you think, well, I could probably just have one beer or I could just take one hit off the pipe or whatever it is that you want to use, play it out through to the credits. Yes, you might have fun that night. You might only have one or two beers, right? But is that going to start a, the ball rolling? So next thing you know, well, oh, I had one or two beers at the dead. Well, I could just have, you know, one beer. Now I'm going to this concert. You know, maybe I'll, I'm only going to drink at concerts. And that might work out for a month or two. And then next thing you know, you're, oh, it's somebody's birthday. Okay, well, I'll just one beer. I've already started drinking again. Might as well just have one beer, right? Somewhere down the line, it will get out of control again. So stop living in the fantasy land where you just play the the fun part of the movie, and you know, right like the little uh, song montage that moves the story along. All you see is yourself drinking a beer and high fiving all your friends and laughing and playing darts and dancing to your favorite band. You don't see what happens when you go home, and now you've got to deal with the fact that you've relapsed, and now that it's in your head that you can relapse, it'll start to happen more often, and therefore, boom, now you've relapsed. I don't want to use my energy any longer to manage an addiction that I have proven to myself is unmanageable. And that brings me to key number two. Really watch everyone else, quote unquote, chase the dragon. And I think that's a term people use when they do heroin or meth. I remember there being an article in the New York Times about people on Wall Street chasing the dragon. Uh, I know it's a term, but and so I use it this way, right? Like, Go Again, going back to the idea of playing it through to the credits and realizing I don't want to manage an unmanageable situation any longer. I have the choice to step into the addiction or to step out of the addiction. And I make that choice every single day. So next time you go to one of these shows like I did, like when I went to the dead, I watched all these people chasing the dragon hitting the nitrous balloons, obviously taking key bumps next to me, obviously go, I mean, there was this, these two dudes in the, in the row. I swear every 15 minutes they were leaving and coming back. They'd come back and they'd smell a weed or they'd come back with a beer in their hand or now they had to go get popcorn. It was one thing after another. I don't know if they saw five whole songs the entire show. They're just constantly chasing the dragon and you're going to see these people everywhere. They spend more time at the bar whenever they're there, supposed to be hanging out with friends, than they do actually hanging out with friends. I would go to weddings and spend more time at the bar getting drinks than I would on the dance floor enjoying all of my friends that were there. I'd spend more time at the bar, at the club, getting drinks than I would talking to my friends or hitting on the women or on the dance floor just having a good time because I'm always trying to chase that dragon. It's never going to feel as good as it did in 94 when I first took the acid at, you know, I think it was July 9th, 1994. It's not going to feel as good as the first time I started doing double shots of vodka in my dorm room in Painter Hall back at Ball State with fall of 94. I'm, I'm just chasing a high that is not going to happen again. 
So watch all those other people do that and realize you now have the freedom to do whatever it is you want to do when you're at these events. You're not handcuffed to the bar. You're not so intoxicated that you're, that you're, you're swooning and you're barely paying attention because you're trying to chase a high that is unattainable because once you've hit that bar, now it's, it raises, whether it's within your body or your mind, it raises. You cannot go back. So key number two is really watch everyone else chasing that high and realize that you're now free from that prison that they're still in. Now, mind you, I know people who, can, who, who drink normally and can go to these things, right? And so they might disappear during set break to go get a beer or they might wait till a slow song they don't care about. I mean, they're not missing much, right? But that's the person who can drink one or two beers and call it a day. Whenever you ask them if they've ever been blacked out, they look at you like, what the hell are you talking about? When you say, wait, you've never pissed in your corner or pissed on a TV or pissed on a Nintendo or in your bed or woken up, you know, on your front lawn or in an alley and they look at you like you're insane. Those are the people who didn't go down the same path as us. Key number three, realize you don't have the ability or the strength to party for one night and move on. This is a culmination of the last two things I've said. You're playing it through to the credits. You're watching everyone else chase the dragon. Just realize that you don't have the ability or the strength to party for one night and move on. First of all, for me, I would never want to have to reset my count back to day zero. Next Thursday is 29 months, and I am thrilled that it's there. I'm to the point where I'm counting months now. They're easy to do. Every 13th it comes up. I really love celebrating anniversaries. So every month, right, you know, I get a, on the 13th, I get an anniversary from my sobriety. Uh, and my birthday, my actual birthday, is on the 15th. So I always notice the 15th of the month when it comes around. So I get my sobriety birthday on the 13th, and I get my actual birthday on the 15th. So it's a pretty little, it's a pretty cool little tandem. Had I been thinking ahead back in the day, maybe I'd have stopped drinking on the 15th, but. At the same time, I was about ready to be entered into ICU whenever I decided to quit. So, 13th it was. I don't have the ability or the strength. Do you? You got sober for a reason. Or you're in recovery for a reason. And I've heard this saying, the further I get away from my last drink, the closer I get to my next. But I don't believe that. Only if you allow yourself to start having this little imaginary land time in your head that tells you, that you can just have the fun at the bar, go home, and you can forget all about it because you don't play it through to the credits. You don't see where it's going to lead. Really watch everyone else chase that dragon and realize they have their own issues to deal with. Maybe they're drunks, maybe they're not. Maybe they're druggies, maybe they're not. Maybe they're addicts, maybe they are not. Unless it's somebody, like even your best friend or your loved ones, there's only so much you can do to help them. At some point, they have to take on the mantle for themselves. They have to take the baton and they have to do and choose what to do with it. Watching my friend, I I didn't get his permission to say his name, so I'll just call him T. Uh, Watching my friend T hit his day 54. Uh, I know my homie Gumby wouldn't mind to shout out. I think he's just hit uh, a few months. I don't remember when he said the other day. Um, Steel is out there. That dude, he's been sober now for a little while. Um, I'm watching some of my friends without any, you know, push on me. People do whatever they do. I'm watching some people start to make that decision for themselves. And I don't know, because I'm not there on a day-to-day basis, how bad their situation was. But I know this. If you choose to get sober, your situation is bad. Don't sit here three months, six months, nine months, six years down the road and say, well, I could probably just have one. 
No. No. Now, there's a lot of different ways we could go into figuring out how to stay sober and whatnot. I've done a lot of these in my catalog. Um, I'm Looking back, um, there's I'll Never Use Again versus One Day at a Time, Episode 2. That's a great one. Um, episode three, the six human needs on, and why we get why we uh, fall for addiction through them. Um, episode seven, how do you get sober? Episode nine, self doubt. Episode f- uh, eleven, fear. That's a great one. Uh, I do the fear of letting go in episode fourteen. Um, I got don't listen to negative people at number sixteen. Um, I've got. Um, Fear of Missing Out and You Only Live Once, episode 19. I've got some really great stuff back there. and You can go listen to it for some actual actionable ways to help you stay on the right path. For now, we're talking about going to concerts. And so I just wanted to make sure that I covered this because whenever T was telling me that he got sober, it really sparked something in me because he and I have gone to fish and dead shows together. In fact, we saw Tran Anastasio play with the LA uh, Philharmonic Orchestra a few years back, and that was pretty fantastic. So I've had some great shows with him. In fact, he and I uh, used to do uh, have our fair share of K in our systems listening to techno back in Orlando in the uh, late 90s, I do believe. So as a bonus for him, I'm going to talk about how to fill up the time in your normal day. And these are the four things that um, I do on a regular basis. And so I highly recommend that you check them out. Um, First and foremost, easiest one, get a job. But sub point is get a job you actually like. You've taken this step into sobriety and recovery. You're changing your life. Change your life. If you're going into a job where it's like office space meets half-baked, you know, and not the drug part of half-baked, but just the monotony of him being a janitor, but also the monotony of the TPS reports and, you know, corporate accounts payable, Nina speaking, just a moment, leave that job. Do something incredible with your life. You're, you're starting anew. It's, your life is brand new. For me, the moment I got sober, all of my hobbies came back, and that's key number two. Get a hobby, subpoint, or three. All of the things that I loved about my life before addiction really took its toll and took over me came back. Wanting to learn, wanting to read, watching cool YouTube videos about stuff, photography, life coaching, learning NLP, uh, constantly reading self-help books, reading Dean R. Kuhn's books, especially the Odd Thomas series, uh, reading awesome articles about new music and learning about new music through the Rolling Stone and other things. Um, National Geographic, you know, I limited my television. So now I just watch, you know, what I consider to be cool shows. You know, I try to find the, the Black Mirrors or the Black Summers or the Game of Thrones or the Walking Deads. I, I only allow myself a small amount of television because I got too much awesome stuff going on. You know, key number three was learn to enjoy learning. Subkey, find things you're interested in and start learning about them. What did you love to do as a child? What did you love to do as a teenager? That, and then when addiction showed up, you stopped having as much interest in it. Then start learning about that again. I mean, for me, whenever addiction took it to start, you know, got its first got its claws in me in 1994, the internet wasn't even a thing yet. Now you have every piece of knowledge at your fingertips. You can go to uh, Mind Valley, Udemy, um, Mentor Box, and you can get amazing stuff from these people, and you can learn really kick ass stuff in a short amount of time. 
You can go to Blinkist and get little reviews of books and see if you like what they're talking about before you even read them. You can go to Audible and get books and listen to them in your car instead of being pissed off that you got stuck in the light for the third straight time. You don't care because you're jamming out to your favorite book, bro. Learn to enjoy learning and then go find things that you're interested in and start learning about them again with a fresh set of eyes. My dad told me that year one is all about physical, you're getting your physical body in shape. Year two is about mental acuity and year three is when your emotions start to come into play. Well, you can get into the learning and enjoying, which would be technically, I'm using air quotes here, year two, which is the mental, but get into that now and start filling up your day. I've said this before, but it bears worth saying again. If while you were using, you just came home from work, sat on the couch, got high, got drunk, ate donuts, watched The Simpsons in your underwear, and then when you got sober, the only thing that changed was you took away the drugs and the alcohol, but you still come home, sit on your couch, watch Simpsons in your underwear, and eat donuts, then no wonder you're sitting there constantly thinking about the next hit, the next drink. You didn't change anything. My therapist would say that you're white knuckling it. You're in sobriety. You're you're counting the days. You're 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 every five minutes you're having an issue, which is great if you're in the first few months because that's when you're supposed to be working through that stuff. But a, a faster way to work through that stuff is to start taking on hobbies, start learning stuff. People are like, oh, I've got all this emotional baggage and I got all these mental this and that. Look, you can come up with a thousand excuses. If there is something that I can't even imagine that's going on in your life that's causing you to still sit on the couch and watch The Simpsons in your underwear and eat donuts, I apologize. I did not mean to offend you. But for the other 99% out there, that's some bullshit. Get up off your damn couch, turn off The Simpsons, put on some clothes, and go freaking do something. I've been coming across a lot of people lately wanting to play the victim card for why they can't do something, and that's negative self-talk. I know I've got a topic about that in here. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, Maybe in uh, episode 13, you're worthy of abundance and prosperity and forgiveness. Um, Negative people, episode 16. Negative self-talk is going on in your head. You're telling yourself you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Start living in it. I can, I can, I can, I can. Recently, I posted something up on Instagram, and they were talking about child abuse and and, and some pretty gnarly stuff, and I sincerely felt bad for them. But there's a way to flip that into a positive. There's a woman from Afghanistan, uh, Musaf uh, Ali. Oh, gosh, I don't know. but I know she won uh, uh, one of those uh, awards that uh, the Nobel Prize, right? I mean, she had like like some sort of acid thrown into her face in Afghanistan because she wouldn't reciprocate another man's feelings. And now she's off winning Nobel prizes and writing books and then opening up orphanages and children's schools. The world is full of people who've gone through something similar to you and have turned it into a positive. So learn to enjoy learning, find something you're interested in, take what happened bad to you and turn it into a positive by going out there and being the change you want to see in the world and help other people. And if you're at year one, key number four, start working out and be healthy. Sub point, go for walks, a hike, explore your city, your neighborhood. Again, back to the couch on the Simpsons in the underwear, eating the donuts. No more. I'm sorry you're not allowed to do that anymore. You're a new person with a new life. I'm currently writing a book for my other podcast called College Success Habits. And it's, the book's also called College Success Habits. And we talk about keystone habits in that book. And a keystone habit is, is it's a 
habit that when you start to change, it starts to matriculate down into other areas of your life. If you want to eat healthier, start keeping a daily journal in my fitness pal or on a pad of paper, however it works for you. And because you start to write things down, all of a sudden you start noticing that you're eating a little too much sugar or that you're not walking enough or that you didn't drink enough water. And before you know it, just the act of writing down everything that you put into your mouth causes you to start improving other areas of your life because now you're starting to pay attention on a, on a more focused level at what you're actually doing. So start doing that in your normal life. Plan the night before. What are you going to do when you wake up? Are you going to sit down and watch the news and just drink coffee for two hours? Or are you going to throw on some shoes and, and go for a walk? Maybe you're like me and you get up and you go to work four or five days a week. But on those days I don't work. I still get up at 7 a.m. I sit down and I start to, I, I start to learn because I love to learn. So how do you fill up time in your normal day? And these are just a few, right? Because I didn't have a lot of time at the end of this. I wanted to make it under 30 minutes. Get a job you actually like. Get a hobby or three. Learn to enjoy learning. Find things you're interested in and start learning about those things. And then four, start working out. Be healthy. Go for walks, a hike, explore your city, your neighborhood. Take your dog out for a walk more than just standing in the backyard. I mean, look, you've decided to change your life. No longer getting intoxicated isn't just a decision that someone who made, who drank one or two beers every two or three weeks, to them, that's not a big deal. But for us, it's huge. It is life-changing. So start acting like it. Start making the changes you've always wanted to see in yourself. True maturity comes from not blaming other people for your lot in life, for not blaming other people for where you're at and what you're doing. Yes, some things may have happened to you when you were younger. You chose to respond one way, and that's what led you to this show. That's what led you to your meetings. That's what led you to sobriety and ultimately recovery because of the decisions you made. Other people went through horrible things as well, and they chose a different path. Neither is good or bad. It is what it is. And it's okay. But now you've made the decision to start making changes. So go out there and freaking make them all. All right, that's my pulpit. I got a little really intense. I started sweating on that one because I'm just so, it's like, I'm just, I know every single person, you have the resources in you to make the changes you want. You have all the knowledge. You have all the strength to start making choices that are better for yourself. Do you, if you, yes, you may not know how to build a spaceship and go to Mars, but you know the first step would at least be going online and figuring out how to wire a robot arm to work. I don't know, but you get the point. You know something. You know something that will get you going forward. Take little small steps. Find a keystone habit like writing your food down or getting up and going for a walk every morning. Find something that ultimately starts to put a watershed into the rest of your life. I promise you, you can fill up the rest of your, your, your normal days and you will be blessed and happy for taking some of this advice. And by all means, remember, if you're going to a concert, you're going out to an event, a bar mitzvah, a wedding, um, a concert, a, a social event at work, whatever it might be, play it out through to the credits. Really watch everyone else trying to chase that dragon and realize you don't have the ability or the strength to party for one night and move on. You don't want to manage it anymore. You're moving towards the best version of yourself. 
You're toward having fun sober. Live it up. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, love one another, treat each other kindly, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcasting app. That's how this system works. It really helps out. It really helps out. So please let other people know that you enjoy this show. And nothing makes me happier than to know that someone found my show through a Uh, an already listener. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for being part of this group. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye.